Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seed's website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosold, bring you the news in agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And good morning to you on this beautiful Monday morning. I'm Kristen Smith along with Jill Welke. Good morning, Jill. And how was your weekend? It was good. Oh. It was. <laughs> we had a button pushed. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, well, that's good morning. It's Monday. <laughs> it is Monday. <laughs> well, good morning to you. I'm Kristen Smith, along with... Jill Welke. Now that we are officially on air on this Monday morning, you had a very busy weekend. I had a very busy week. Yes, that's true. And my weekend just wrapped up with a lot of miles. Oh, yeah. But... What a gorgeous weekend we had. It was super gorgeous. Oh, did you get... So, I know you were on the road, and we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. You were on the road all last week. Did you get to enjoy some of this weekend? Um, Yeah, I did. Uh, yesterday, all I had was yesterday for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but I did some stuff outside and uh, watered the ducks again and... Now, you know. when do you have to bring your ducks in? I know it sounds kind of funny. When do you get your ducks in a row? But when do you bring them in? My ducks actually go in every night. Oh. And lock them in the in the chicken house because that's where they have chosen to be. Mm. But um, they, I guess last week my daughter left them in a couple days when it was colder. But I like them out as much as I can because they kind of, they make a big mess. Mm-hmm. So what did you do this weekend? Oh, you know me. <laughs> so it was a beautiful Saturday. It yes. was just absolutely gorgeous. So we had those pumpkins that we carved and everything outside. And I'm like, well, let's get rid of those pumpkins. Well, I'm looking at the forecast going, you know, we had the that snow a couple weeks ago. I hate putting up Christmas decorations like my lights outside when it's freezing cold and there's snow on the ground. That is always a challenge. It is. So we put up Christmas lights. I do not have them plugged in. <laughs> Yeah, but, it, you know, it's the convenience of uh, the humans putting them out there. It was, you know, and we were all outside. We all had a great time. The kids were outside playing. I was, you know, putting them up on the up and down the spindles and the pedestals and getting the snowman out. I know it's early, but I'd rather get it done when it was nice versus when it's cold. And I wasn't the only crazy person doing that. There was a lot of people in town doing the same thing I was. I don't think that's crazy. I think that's just efficient. Yes. I Oh, I like that. And then I cleaned out my car. Ooh, was well, that took, a big big job? You know, it actually wasn't bad. So I took five kids trick-or-treating this year. Five. <laughs> you know how many leaves are on the ground and dirt they track in? Well, I put down old T-shirts, you know, like those rag T-shirts that after a while you're like, ah, I put them down on the floor so it wasn't bad. But I cleaned out the entire car, put in my rubber floor mats for the winter so I don't ruin my nice floor mats. Ooh. I got like so much done. I felt so accomplished this weekend. Yeah, I needed to take a nap. So <laughs> I understand. Well, we are going to be touching base. We're going to keep everyone in suspense. Uh-oh. Oh, yes. We're going to keep everyone in suspense about what you found out at the National FFA Convention. But first, we've got to give a big thank you to our sponsors that helped Jill get down to the National FFA Convention. Compere Financial. Compere Financial provides lending and risk management tools to agriculture and rural communities and are proud supporters of the FFA. 
Citizen State Bank of Loyal, they're your full-service, locally-owned community bank specializing in financing Wisconsin's agriculture. Visit or call one of their locations in Loyal, Grant, and Nilsville, Spencer, or Marshfield. Citizen State Bank of Loyal, proud supporters of the FFA member FDIC equal housing lender. And Egg Country Farm Credit Services, focused on egg, focused on you. Again, big thank you to Compere, Citizen State Bank, and Egg Country Farm Credit Services for helping Jill get to the convention. Absolutely. I appreciate their support, and I tried to get as many interviews as I can. I've got a whole bunch piled up in my phone yet. Ooh, I look forward to that. I bet we're going to hear some of that, I think, today, aren't we? We are. We're going to hear from Bloomer FFA members today. Ooh, that'll be coming up here in just a little bit. But right now, let's shake up this Monday morning with Neil McCoy. The Shake, right here on Wax, 10 minutes before 5. I do like that one part, Jill, in there where he says, you know, Gary, Indiana, Mobile, Alabama, Phoenix, Arizona, and he keeps going through. I bet you saw a lot of people from all those states at the National FFA convention, didn't you? I did, and we went through Gary, Indiana on (laughs) Saturday night. It was kind of dark, though, and we were going kind of fast, so we just, it was a blur. Hey, nothing wrong with that, but yeah, there's, the only places out of that whole song that we didn't get to was Tokyo and London. Yeah, well, and the kids down at National Convention, they're from the Virgin Islands. They're yeah. from Puerto Rico, um, Alaska. I saw Hawaii. There was It was quite a convention. Wow. So yeah. did, when you saw the Hawaii group, did you say aloha? <laughs> no, they were kind of moving the other direction very efficiently. So <laughs> I'm thinking, though, we and I visited with a lot of different people from, from Virginia, Georgia, and and uh, it was cool down in at uh, in Indianapolis. You know, we're in the 40s one day, and then it moved up to the 50s. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, it is so cold!" And I'm like, "Look at him, like, no." <laughs> <laughs> I like didn't even wear a jacket. Yeah, so. I know. We're, we're from up north. You uh, know, as they say in Minnesota, we're from up north. Yes, and they think that we are, like, in the sub-zero 24-7. I said, no. No. We get nice and warm and lots of plenty plenty of humidity in the summertime. Exactly. And, and, you know, it does actually, when you mention that, it does get warm. And a lot of people do have that thing in the back of their head where, oh, Wisconsin, it's snow and it's cold and you ice fish and you play football in the ice all year round. And Yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't even have our killing frost until... Uh, a couple weeks ago. Huh. You want to talk about something that's late, the rut. Oh, well, they they were definitely running this morning. I had two little bucks that tried to get hit by me this morning, running around right in the middle of the road. So the last few weeks, my deer count has increased. Okay. This morning, it decreased significantly. Ah. I only saw two deer. However, I saw two fox. Oh, really? Two. Usually I've seen one fox, but I saw two this morning. Ooh, the fox were out. Oh, yeah. They're looking for, for a little hoss and pepper. <laughs> but we're going to be touching base, like we mentioned just a little bit ago. We're going to be touching base on a few other things going on this morning in the world. That's all coming up right here. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right. We're back again this morning. And if you're just rolling out of bed, there are some sprinkles going on today. It's a cloudy morning, and there is rain in the forecast this morning, but do not worry. It's not too much. We are looking at a high of 59 degrees today. Then tomorrow, it's going to be a mostly cloudy day with a high of 46. Wednesday, clouds and some rain with a high of 48. But you can't beat this last weekend. It was absolutely gorgeous here in our beautiful state of Wisconsin. So let's enjoy it with a little bit of Heartland to kick off your Monday beautiful time in the state. We're at 56 degrees right now in the clear Chippewa Falls Menominee area. Looking at some rain, clouds, that's okay. It's still a beautiful time for November. It's time this morning to check in with some national news. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. An Israeli official has been suspended indefinitely after he suggested dropping a nuclear bomb on the Gaza Strip. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu criticized the far-right heritage minister Sunday after he said in a radio interview that an atomic bomb is an option in dealing with the ongoing war against Hamas. Netanyahu posted on social media that those comments were not based in reality. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits to the Middle East on Sunday. Chris Caraggio has the story. 
first, Blinken met with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas during a surprise stop on the occupied West Bank. Later, he traveled to Iraq on the third day of his tour of the region as the war between Israel and Hamas rages. Speaking in Baghdad, Blinken said he believes progress is being made as the U.S. works to keep the conflict from spreading. I'm Chris Caraccio. Newly elected House Speaker Mike Johnson is defending a House bill that provides more than $14 billion in aid to Israel by cutting an equal amount of funding to the IRS. That money from this giant fund, over $67 billion that's sitting there to build up the IRS, it's more important to protect Israel right now than it is to hire more IRS agents. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, the Louisiana Republican talked about a new way of doing business in Congress. Johnson said he wants Congress to find ways for spending measures instead of adding to the national debt. The bill that was passed in the House by a 226 to 196 margin faces opposition from both Democratic and Republican leaders in the Senate. President Biden, who asked Congress for a $105 billion emergency aid package that includes Ukraine, said he would veto Johnson's bill if it clears the Senate. And Elon Musk is debuting Grok, the first technology from his new AI company, XAI. The company says it's modeled on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The prototype is in its early beta phase, and only a small number of users will have access before a wider release. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. We're a few minutes after 5 o'clock, and Jill, you had the chance to go down to the National FFA Convention and speak with some kids from Bloomer. We're here at the 96th National FFA Convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it is always reassuring to see Wisconsin FFA members qualifying at the national level to be in those contests. And I caught up with a young lady from Bloomer FFA, Julia Johnson. She had a display in the agri-science fair. What division and what class and what's the name of your display? So I'm in Division One Animal Systems with a presentation of does the age at a lamb's tail is docked affect its weaning weight? How many lambs did you use in this experiment? We used 20 lambs. So 20 lambs. Who helped you out with it? My mom. Did you see a difference as you collected the data? We did not, actually, which was very surprising. We thought we were going to see that the three-day-old lambs would do better than the three-week, but we found out that there was no difference. And how long did this experiment take? So the collecting data was for one month, but we had to plan out like a year ahead of time on how we were going to have breed our ewes so they would have babies at the right time. You led me right into the next question. Did you use your own lambs for this experiment? Yes, we did. As time goes on, do you think you're going to change when you dock the tails on those lambs? Yes, we've already changed how we do it. We used to dock our lambs at three days, but now we dock it, or we used to dock it at three weeks, now we dock it at three days. Where was the first step to being able to use your display in Indianapolis? Um, So I started off by showing it at state presenting it at state but i wrote the paper back and starting in the fall of last year and you have to do some presentation down here don't you i don't i just find out my results on stage and that was julia johnson part of the bloomer ffa and also from the bloomer area i've got tinley jeffrey now you had an agri-science project that qualified for nationals what division was yours in? My project was in the social systems category in Division 1, and it was called Scintillating Sugar Stumper. So tell me about this project. So I tested the taste difference and texture difference between sugar and stevia and artificial sugar. And what did you find out? We found there's no texture or taste difference between the two stevias and sugar. Which do you prefer to eat? I prefer stevia because I can't have sugar because I get sick because of it. But it's also kind of an interesting thing to actually test something out that you haven't used before, isn't it? Yeah, I had to use a lot of classmates, such as Julia Johnson, to taste my stuff for me because I couldn't have it. (laughs) So you used the data that you collected from some of your classmates, too. Does that mean that you value their opinions? Some, for sure. (laughs) And now you had your poster board down here in Indianapolis and a presentation... What did you tell the judges? 
I just told them about you know how I can't have sugar and why I chose it, and then the importance of it and the difference between the two, and how I was surprised that we haven't already used stevia now because of how much better it is for the environment and us, but yet we're still using sugar. And you've already found out your results. How did you do? I placed second overall. How many agri-science projects from Bloomer came down here to the Nationals? There was three projects. I was by myself, Julia Johnson was by myself, by herself, and then Brianna Carlson and Addison Meckley competing together. What about next year? You going to do another one? I'm hoping to do another one in the future. I'm not sure if it'll be next year. Congratulations. Second place in the nation. That was Tinley Jeffrey, part of the Bloomer FFA. And I'm Jill Welke from Indianapolis, Indiana. And our program today is sponsored by Compere Financial, A Country Farm Credit Services, and Citizen State Bank of Loyal. Thank you so much, Jill. You really had a great time down there. I did have a great time. And it's so fun to just the aura of the excitement of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to put make a note that Julia Johnson placed was either eighth or ninth in the nation with her project. Wow. And I just think that is, I mean, just be able to get up on that stage and, and go across. So she'd been, um, both Tinley and Julia would have received golds for their projects. Wow. Congratulations to both of those young ladies. And we'll be touching base more on that coming up here in just a little bit. Right now, we got to switch over to weather. We'll be checking in in just a moment. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, now, before we jump into weather, we have to give a quick shout-out again to all the high school football teams that are moving on to the big state title. Rice Lake is moving on for Division Three. Baldwin-Woodville for Division Four. St. Croix Falls for Division Five. Stratford Division Six. Edgar Division Seven. And Jill Thorpe is also moving on, but they're a, a little different. They're in the eight-player tournament. That is a... I didn't know that was a thing. Well, I've heard about it a little bit, but they don't really promote it. And actually, Thorpe is a state qualifier for the eight-player tournament, so they're already, I'm sure, gearing up to play at that state tournament. Oh, big congratulations to all those teams. What an amazing accomplishment. We're just full of good news today. <laughs> Weather-wise, it's not bad. So today we're looking at a cloudy and rainy morning, and then it's going to just be cloudy this afternoon with a high of 59. Tonight is going to be mostly cloudy with a low of 35. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high of 46. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, clouds and some rain with a low of 37. Wednesday, we're looking at cloudy and rainy with a high of 48. Wednesday night, partly cloudy and 34 degrees. Temperatures around the area right now, we're at Medford is at 51, La Crosse is at 58, Marshfield at 52, Green Bay 51 degrees, up in Rice Lake 53 degrees, over in Wausau they're at 48, Madison is at 55, Milwaukee's at 54, and right here in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls Menominee area, we're at 56 degrees. Morning markets are coming in next and they'll be brought to you by... Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And your morning markets again are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. And Jill, lead us off for the morning. Our cash livestock starts out with choice fed beef steers 173 to 185 with mixed at 172 and down. Choice fed beef heifers are 173 to 183 with mixed heifers 140 to 172. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 180 and down. Choice fed Holstein steers are 154 to 164 with select and side fed steers 89 to 153. Cows are 74 to 94 with a top of 119. Bulls are 90 to 125. Butcher hogs are 74 to 81. Butcher hogs are 47 to 81. Sows are 38 to 44 with boars at 18 to 21. New crop market lambs are 170 to 190. Feeder lambs are 90 to 215. With ewes at 47 to 117. Small goats are 5 to $160. Medium goats are 50 to $250. Large goats are 115 to $400. With nanny goats at 5 to $250. Perfect. Thank you, Jill. And switching over to the Mercantile Exchange, your live cattle for December is at 183.87. That was down 80 cents. February's at 185.22, down $1.20. April's at 187.82, down 95. 
Feeder cattle for January is at 239.75, down 242. March is at 242.35, down 207. April's at 246.12, down a dollar ninety. Lean hogs for December is at 71.75, down a dollar fifty-two. February is at 75.47, down seventy-five. April's at 80.72, down seventy-seven. Switching over to the Chicago Board of Trade on the overnight, your December corn was up a penny at 478. December oats up a penny at 373. March beans were up 11 at 1378. December soybean meal was down 40 cents to 441.70 a ton. Your December wheat was down four at 568. On the dairy side from Friday, you got your barrel cheese down three and a quarter cent to $1.64. Your blocks were down three and a half cent to $1.66 and a half. Your double A grade butter was down one and a quarter cent to three ten and three quarters. And your class three futures for November down six cents to seventeen thirty three. December down eight at seventeen twenty seven. January was down nine cents at seventeen thirty eight. February down twelve at seventeen seventy two. March down seven at eighteen fifteen. And then those markets were mostly downward trending in twenty twenty four. That's a look at your morning markets again brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. And Jill, we just heard from the Bloomer Group from the National FFA Convention, but fill us in. What were the numbers from the convention and what all happened down there? Give us some info. Well, a new record of over 72,000 FFA members, advisors, and guests attended the annual convention held in Indianapolis last week. The total membership of the student-led organization was almost 1 million in 2023, with members in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. And of that total, 4,423 members earned the organization's top degree, their American FFA degree, on Saturday of the convention. During the final session of the convention on Saturday afternoon, the new national FFA officers were announced. And of a pool of 35 hopeful national officer candidates, six were chosen to lead the FFA members for the next years. The new national FFA president is Amara Jackson from Michigan. Grant Norfleet from Missouri is the new national FFA secretary. The central region vice president is Canyon Huntington from Iowa. And the eastern region vice president is Morgan Anderson from Ohio. New Mexico FFA member Emily Gossett is the new western region vice president. And the southern region vice president Carter Howell is from Florida. The newly elected officers will be facilitating leadership activities across the nation during their year of service, as well as attending many state conventions where they will take on the roles of keynote speaker and leadership workshop director. Wow. I actually visited with all six of them after they were elected, and we'll uh, try to sneak some of those in because... They are very well-spoken young people, and I look forward to seeing what they uh, can bring to the table as they travel the United States this next year. Wow, that is just amazing. And I cannot believe 4,400-plus members got their American degrees. Yeah, but if you put that into perspective... Out of 72,000. Well, no, out of the almost million. True. There's all, that's less than 1% earn that top degree. Mm-hmm. And they have the de- varying degrees because when you're in middle school, you get the discovery degree. Then it's the green hand degree. Then it's a chapter farmer. Then it's your state degree. So your American degree is the top degree. But um, when you really think about it, that is truly an honor because it's less than 1% yeah. of the total membership. Um, I have my American degree. All four of my kids have their American degrees, so it's uh, it's really neat to see them walk across that stage, too. Well, very cool, and I'm glad you had a great time. And again, congratulations to all the FFA members that attended. You know, if they got their degrees, if they didn't, maybe they missed one year. And either way, they made it there. They're there. They're trying. That's the biggest accomplishment there, too. Well, to be a national qualifier for some of these contests, because they have the leadership development contest. They have the judging contest. You've heard from the science fair uh, contest uh, qualifiers. Just to qualify to make it down to nationals, I think is so cool. That is very cool. Well, thank you so much, Jill, for that information. And we're going to get moving along here. We're actually going to be hearing from Mr. Bob Bosold in just a moment. Uh, he had the chance to speak with La Crosse's mayor, R- Mayor Reynolds, 
about the Mississippi Pact. So he is coming in right now. And Bob, catch us up. What did you find out? The Mississippi River, every bit as important as the interstate system for commerce, transportation, everything you need to do as far as moving product, moving people. We're going to talk about that in La Crosse with Mayor Mitch Reynolds. And uh, Mayor Reynolds, the importance of this river to the city of La Crosse. We know it goes from way up north in Minnesota all the way down to New Orleans. But when we get here in Wisconsin, how important is this river for tourism, for commerce, for agriculture? Well, it's actually a great question, and, and you brought up the interstate system because I think it's, you know, when you talk about every bit as important, uh, you, one could almost make the argument it's more important because when you look at uh, all the ag products in the United States, 40% of them flow down the Mississippi River. You know, 60% of our soy, our corn, our wheat are exported down the Mississippi River. You know, all of the things that we need to build our cities and uh, to, to make sure that we're maintaining our infrastructure flows up the Mississippi River. I mean, this is, this is about as essential a corridor as, as it gets, right? It drains 31 states and two provinces uh, into the basin. And it's just, it's an absolutely, uh, it's, it, is, it is the most essential uh, river corridor in the world, essentially. I mean, one in 12 people consume commodities, uh, that are exported from the, in the, on the planet from the Mississippi River. So it's not just important to the city of La Crosse, but also important to every community up and down the Mississippi River in all 10 states and all the cities uh, along the Mississippi River. And, you know, obviously we, we get our water from an aquifer, the sand aquifer, a massive sand aquifer there, and we're very, very fortunate for the water uh, resource that we have that's, uh, that's below us. But, you know, there are 20 million people that get their drinking water from the Mississippi River as well. So it's important to think, what is it, in, what is it for the city of La Crosse? And it's essential for our commerce because there's commodities that ship out of La Crosse, right, and then our surrounding region as well. But it's also important to remember that we have a responsibility to the communities downriver to make sure that whatever we're doing upriver does not in, um, negatively impact those communities. Because, I mean, really, at the end of the day, we're all one big community, right? We're, the, what happens in Greenville and um, uh, uh, Memphis, that, that impacts what, what happens up here in relation to the barges that we need to ship commodities and whatever we do up here in terms of whatever pollution and, and what we're doing with our water conservation efforts in, impacts what's happening in those communities. So, I mean, all essential all the time. What kind of a challenge has it been the last couple of years? It's been very dry. Yes. And we've had the river shut down in some cases. What kind of an impact has that had? Well, one of the biggest impacts, and, I, and you can talk to J.F. Brennan, one of our big companies here in La Crosse that does a lot of shipping on the river, but one of the biggest impacts that we've, we've struggled with is just getting barges back upriver to, to, uh, in order to ship commodities down. So we get this, this stranglehold of our commodities. They wind up being stored because we don't have enough capacity to ship downriver because of the low, low water. I mentioned Greenville. I think they had something like seven feet or something last year. And, yeah, part of that is our drought. A big part of it is what's happening in the you know, around the Missouri as well, because obviously that drains in the Mississippi River, the drought. So the the water, the low waters in the Missouri, low waters in Ohio, low waters in Illinois, as well as what's happening in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. Those are all impactful. And really, again, it's a system. It's not just our community. It's a system. So anything that our community or, you know, the Twin Cities or Winona or Red Wing, whatever, anything that we're doing up here is going to impact the commodity transference that goes on in New Orleans. And then whatever happens there impacts our economies. And so you kind of have to think about how this looks as a system-wide, a corridor-wide consideration. What does that What does that look like for all of us up and down the river? Let's talk about all of us. You were at a recent meeting in Bemidji of the mayors along the Mississippi River from the north all the way to the south. And one of the news items that came out of there that caught my attention was the request, or lack of a better word, we'll use that, of some folks out west. Mm -hmm. Can we pipe water from the Mississippi River? I've heard of they want to pipe water from the Great Lakes. I'd never heard from the Mississippi River before. How new is that, or how long has that request been there, a request that I'm sure fell on deaf ears as far as the mayors are concerned? You're concerned about it, but it's not going to happen anytime soon, I don't think. No, and I think that it's important to remember that whenever you're talking about 
sending water to the southwest uh, of the United States of America, there is a significant amount of infrastructure involved. However, when you look at the growth patterns out there, there that is not an insignificant threat. There is a real possibility that there would be an entity or entities or government that would say, look, you know what, uh, Go, they'd go out to uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and say, you know what, I'll, I'll pay a billion dollars a year to, to take all the water that we want and put it in our pipeline and send it out to Phoenix. And without a, uh, a Mississippi River compact, just modeled after the Great Lakes Compact, where where the states have to agree to how that water is diverted. Without that compact, there's no real guarantee that that wouldn't happen. I'm not saying Cape Girardeau would do that. I'm just you know suggesting that there's a real possibility that could be something on the horizon. So uh, I'm the recently installed uh, national co-chair of the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative, and that's 104 mayors in 10 states that are working in collaboration and cooperation to secure the interests of the entire Mississippi River Corridor. So that was the meeting that we had in Bemidji where we all agreed that we support a Mississippi River Compact. And really, the point of that is is to secure the Mississippi River as a resource, not only a navigation resource, but a natural for a water resource, frankly, as well as a natural habitat resource, ecosystem resource, for generations to come. Our sense is that, as ridiculous as it sounds to build a pipeline across the United States and ship water to Phoenix, that if we don't take this step now, that that could be something that we see in the future. Because, frankly, they build pipelines across the United States to ship oil, right? And one could make the argument... I think reasonably that water is a much more significant resource than oil. So what is the real threat? I think it's a significant threat, maybe not tomorrow, but in the future. And we, what we've seen with low water levels on the Mississippi, and I, I know you're probably aware of the saltwater intrusion that's going on at the, you know, down south, and, and that's because of a low flow of the Mississippi River. So if we take more water out of there, what does that mean for the folks in New Orleans? What does that mean for all the folks in West Wego and Harahan and Gretna, Louisiana, and all the people that rely on the Mississippi River south of basically Kenner, Louisiana, for their for their drinking water? It means that that's the end of those communities. And I don't think we can stand to, to, to stomach that. I mean, it's too significant of a resource for us, and we have to protect it, not only for our sakes, not my community, not all the communities on the Mississippi River, but as a national resource, this is significant for us on a national level, and we need to be thinking collaboratively and cooperatively in how we manage that resource. So I'm, I'm hearing you say that as the uh, one of the leaders of this Mississippi River Compact, it's not going to happen, at least I would say in our lifetime, but it's not going to go away, that request. No, it won't, not at all, as long as there are people that are... that are thinking that they're going to make their lives living in a desert where there's not enough water, there's going to be a need for water. Now, you know, one can make the argument, well, they'll do the desalinization thing from the ocean. Well, maybe. But what would be more likely? To me, it's more likely that they would stick a straw in the Mississippi and suck the water out of there. And if we don't have a compact in place to prevent that, it is entirely possible that that would be something that would occur. And it has to be something that we are able to manage on a basin-wide level. And I think that that's an important thing to remember. And again, that is La Crosse's mayor, Mayor Reynolds, talking about that Mississippi Pact and how they want to take water out of the Mississippi and ship it out west because of their drought and their dry issues. And how does that impact? What are they going to do? What are they not going to do? Interesting stuff. So thank you so much, Bob, for that update. But it's that time of the morning. We've got your morning markets. They'll be coming in next. And we've got Rocky Olson. So stay with us for Premier Livestock in with these market reports. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's that time of the morning. We're at 5.30 on the dot. Rocky Olson is joining us now from Premier Livestock in with the Good morning, Rocky. Good morning. So how was your weekend? Uh, everything was good. Everything good. was. Did you go hunting this weekend? I did. And I go out. No, uh, no cigar. You could say. But <laughs> you know, was, I don't it's know. Always good to get out. My husband had this issue too. He's not seeing the big rut happening yet. Yeah, same, same here. Now certain people are, and maybe it's your doe to buck ratio. But yeah, it's been pretty quiet around here, and still a lot of uh, uh, after dark activity. Yep, so. exactly. Well, Rocky, catch us up. What's going on at Premier Livestock? And with you, you had a busy week last week and a busy week this week. Uh, 
Thank you, Kristen. Good morning, everyone. This is now last week's uh, market shaped up here at Premier Livestock. We did sell over 3,000 head of livestock. Fed cattle, uh, steady, high choice and prime. Holstein steers, 150 to 164. Selected low choice, 140 to 150. Choice B steers and heifers up to $1.75. Market cows, steady, high yielding cows from a dollar to a dollar 23. Many from 80 to 99. Market bulls, high yielding from a dollar five to a dollar 26. Uh, lower yielding and lightweight, 104 and down. Organic market cows sold every Monday. High yielding cows from 115 to 155. Lower yielding, 114 and down. Newborn Holstein bull calves, mostly from 200 to 420 per head. Your beef cross calves from 300 all the way up to 690. Holstein heifer calves up to 200. This week at Premier Tuesday is going to be our special feeder cattle bred beef cow auction. We're expecting right at 1,000 head of feeder cattle. Uh, got a nice run of bred beef cows, including uh, two small beef herd dispersals. Uh, then Wednesday's dairy cattle auction, we got two herds. We got herd number one at 80 Holstein uh, parlor freestall cows. Herd two, we got 70 Jersey dairy cows, all tie stall cows. Full details on all these consignments on our website at Premier Livestock and Auctions.com. Uh, as always, uh, questions, give us a call, 715 229 2500. And that's how things are shaping up at Premier. Sounds good. What a busy week. Now, in yep. your machinery sale, that's done for the winter, correct? That's uh, that's all done. Next sale uh, will be in March. In March. Okay, so if people have equipment that they're like, oh, I wish I could have consigned it, they can start looking at that March date. Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. You know, cool. I think, you know, I mean, I know we're ways off from Christmas yet, but I think that could be a good Christmas gift. Honey, yeah. let's consign this and I'll buy you a new tractor. Yeah. I bring like us it. a big, nice piece of equipment. We'll probably even give them a Christmas advance. Hey, there you go. I like it. <laughs> All right, Rocky. So, well, you have a great day, and we will catch you tomorrow morning. You too. Thank you. There he goes, Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock in Withy. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, that time of the morning. Before we get to more markets, let's check in with our Skyworn. Thir- or no, it's not Skyworn anymore. It's the 13 first alert. Meteorologist Mike D'Andrea. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How See, are we doing? I, I was good, but I caught catch myself. I'm still used to that old slogan that you guys had. Listen, old habits die hard. I'm they with you do. on that. So you know and. Before we get into it, you and I were talking on TV before about, uh-huh. you know, Bob Gallagher possibly in a candy coma. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this candy ratio and stuff. <laughs> yep. And now I've got to ask you a question. It's Halloween related. Uh-oh. What do you call a monster with a high IQ? Ah, uh, monster with a high IQ. Mm, can't think of it. Frank Einstein. Frank Einstein. Oh, Nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd call him Albert Einstein, but... Albert. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. Okay, so now we did that one. I've got one more I'm going to give you. Okay. Why, with Thanksgiving coming up, why was the Thanksgiving Day soup so expensive? Uh, why? Because it had 24 carrots. Oh, that that one's clever. I like that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> Had twenty four carrots. I thought that one was cute. I thought that's. I thought that too. So now I need to ask. Of course, this is switching gears to to gold now. So twenty four carrots. That is pure gold, right? As far as I know, yes. Okay. I, I'm. This is not a joke. I'm like actually being serious. I'm. I'm curious because I think it's twenty four that makes it like pure gold. But then what's like the the carrots for diamonds? Like you know, you, you have a a carrot of gold. Well, what's a carrot of diamonds now? Is that just the size, or is that a what are we talking here? I have no idea. I don't know why they use the same measurements for what I'm going to guess are two totally different things. But <laughs> you know what? I mean, it's like the the thing about uh, how your nose can run and your feet can smell. You know, that seems a little backwards, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is. You know, I never thought about that either. <laughs> yeah, your nose can run and yeah, your feet can smell. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we've really gone off the rails yeah, here. Yeah, I mean... You know, here I was like, okay, you know, we'll get into the the weather here. Now we're like talking about the human anatomy and different things, and yep, diamonds, carrots, and everything in between, but pretty much. We can we can switch this around to weather related because the human body is mostly water, and <laughs> we are getting water this morning. Way to rein that in! I'm proud of you. Ah, <laughs> there you go. There he's back. <laughs> there it is, and uh, yeah, we did have some showers, so we got our uh, we got our moisture uh, earlier this morning. Now, some of us further north are still looking at some showers, but for the most 
most part, we're expected to stay dry for the rest of the day. Cloud cover is still going to remain dominant north of I-94. Areas to the south likely seeing a few more peaks of sun. But winds will remain rather windy out of the west between 10 to 20 miles per hour for the sustained winds. 30 mile per hour gusts, certainly not out of the question. And tonight, cloud cover still hangs around as we dip to the mid-30s. So a little bit of a cooler start tomorrow morning, but pretty much on par with where we should be. Mostly cloudy for tomorrow, but a few peaks of sun are possible. Mid-40s for our highs. Wednesday, starting off with a chance at some showers, but highs in the mid to upper 40s. And by Thursday, we'll see the return of sunshine and some mid-40s as well. Friday, a little bit cooler with highs in the upper 30s and low 40s. Veterans Day, getting in the low 40s as well, so a little bit cooler. But then Sunday, staying dry as we return back to the mid-40s, again, where we should be for this time of year. Still have some cloud cover hanging around, but a very mild start to 56 degrees no claire it's just that uh yeah this is about the warmest that we're going to get for today hey i think we'll take it though it's better than that 30 20 teen temperatures <laughs> that we had yeah i would have to agree with that so i got now we talked halloween which is in the past mm-hmm. thanksgiving that's coming up we got to talk about what's going on right now okay hunting season yes absolutely why did the deer get braces uh can't can't tell you because he had buck teeth. <laughs> oh, I should have known that one. <laughs> you know, I, I was, uh, this, I probably have to head out after this, but uh, I saw in my yard the other day, there was an eight point, and I was like, man, if I wasn't living in a residential area right now. Oh, and that's I know. how it always goes. They stand out there and look at you like, ha mm-hmm. Oh, he was taunting me for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when, you know, and the, there he is, gone. Yeah. Opening season. <laughs> yep. Wouldn't wouldn't be able to find him in the woods, but he'll be trouncing in my yard. Yep. Best place. You'll probably be sleeping under your picnic table before you know it. <laughs> yes. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for the update on that weather, and we'll catch you later. All right. Sounds like a plan. There he goes. Our 13 first alert meteorologist, Mike D'Andrea, this morning. And now Morgan McCarthy is jumping in with us. Good morning, Morgan. Catch us up. What's going on in the news today? Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. An update from the Altoona Police Department with a Range Rover and occupants apprehended after police were aware of thefts throughout the Chippewa Valley and Chippewa Valley region. You can find more information on this story. There's also been a white Chrysler minivan involved in these and 715newsroom.com has more details. As we look to other headlines in our area, that includes Shatek police raising money to send the families of officers Emily Breedenbach and Hunter Shield to Washington, D.C. for the Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. The two were gunned down during a traffic stop in April and now the police department is partnering with the Pine Lodge shops to sell Christmas ornaments and that's to raise money for the trip. You can find information online and a link at 715newsroom.com Looking at the lawmaker level a number of Democratic lawmakers are going to push for free lunch for all at the Wisconsin Capitol. The Healthy School Meals for All Wisconsin Coalition will hold a news conference today and that's to introduce a plan that would expand Wisconsin's free lunch program. Right now qualifying kids get either free or reduced price lunches. The coalition wants to expand that so all kids in the state can get free lunch at school. Also at the Capitol level, we look behind the doors to see the Wisconsin Senate voting on its election constitutional amendments this week. So what does that look like? Well, the three amendments would make it clear that only U.S. citizens 18 years and older can vote. It would also enshrine voter ID in the state constitution and would ban the use of outside money like Zuckerbucks in future elections. Right now, as it stands, all three amendments will go to you, the voter. And how about a real look at artificial intelligence? Who else but Elon Musk debuting Grok, the first technology from a new AI company, XAI. The company says it's modeled on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and is supposed to have some wit and a rebellious streak. The prototype is in its early beta phase and only a small number of users will have access before a wider release to use the chatbot. It will eventually be a feature of X Premium Plus, which Musk said would be $16 a month. I'm Mark Mayfield. But back here on Real Life Day to Day, those chores have to get done. And let me guess, you're the one doing them. We head back to the barn with Kristen Smith, Jill Welke, and your Midwest Farm Report on Wax 104.5. All right, we're at 19 minutes before the 6 o'clock hour, and we've got to check in with more morning markets. We're going to head over to the Equity El Tunabard and check in with Jim Lindsay. And Jim, how'd the sale go last week? Choice beef steers nephers dollar fifty to a dollar seventy five. Choice dairy cross steers nephers dollar fifty to a dollar seventy. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers dollar fifty five to a dollar sixty two. Choice Holstein steers dollar forty five to a dollar fifty four. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers dollar forty four and down. Top twenty percent of the cull cows sold from a dollar to a dollar eighteen. We had a top of a dollar nineteen. Sixty percent of the cows sold from seventy one to ninety nine. The bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from seventy and down. 
All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Jim, for that update, and you have a great day as well. And now Jerry Fitzgerald from the Stratford Equity Barn is joining us now. Good morning, Jerry. Well, Kristen, and good morning to you and Jill. What a nice warm morning for November, huh? Oh, it's beautiful. Even this weekend, it was just gorgeous. Although we do have a very strong southwesterly wind this morning, so I don't know if that's in the... I wasn't paying attention to the weather guy too much before, so I suppose that's... uh, And I don't know, I was looking at the radar before when I got up earlier, it was... According to the radar, you guys in Eau Claire should have been getting some rain. Yeah, I drove in. Um, Nilsville had a few sprinkles on my car, and the roads were basically dry. And then in Eau Claire, I was driving through puddles. Yeah, so, well, somebody got some. But uh, anyway, it's kind of interesting weather, but uh, uh, eventually we'll just uh, take it as it is. And I see that you uh, set your clock, uh, so you were on time this morning. And Of course. Okay, uh, the rest of us also. So anyway, in the meantime, we will uh, let the folks know what's going on here at Equity Stratford. How about we do that? Sounds good. Take it away, Jerry. Kristen, thank you, and a good morning, everyone. And uh, sales schedule this week at Equity Stratford, full marketing week uh, on tap, of course. We get underway this morning at 10 o'clock with the market auction. We'll sell those market cows today. Uh, along with fed cattle, market bulls, baby calves today at 11.30. And just a brief look back at the market last week. Uh, come on, can mostly steady. Your, most of your cows last week sold between 70 and 97. Higher yielding cows from 98 to $1.17, up to $1.20.5 on some beef cows. That was on Wednesday's auction. So mostly steady trend last week on the cow market, also on the bull market. Uh, better quality bulls last week were mostly in that 104 to 118. Some fancy bulls on Wednesday from 118 to 125 and a half. Calf market also mostly steady last week, uh, mostly 200 to 400 in bull calves. Uh, beef calves mostly from 350 up to 705. And uh, that'll be Monday. That's uh, what's going to happen today here at Stratford on Monday. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we start at uh, 10 a.m. with the hay and bedding auction. And then uh, at 11 o'clock will be our dairy cattle sale for this week. Uh, after that, we will sell organic cattle. And, of course, we do sell those organic cows every uh, or all organic cattle every Tuesday, and then on conventional market cattle to follow. Wednesday be a busy day. We get started bright and early Wednesday morning with the uh, market auction on the cows and the fed cattle. And uh, feeder cattle sale this week, will, of course, will start at 1230. We are featuring red-heighted feeder cattle sale, uh, feeder cattle this uh, week on the feeder sale. So, of course, we do have quite a few of those uh, cattle consigned to red-heighted cattle, including some Simmental cattle, some Hereford cattle, some Red Angus cattle, but we also have uh, other uh, black and white uh, Holsteins and all kinds of other beef cattle. So we got a big lineup of cattle and several consignments, some good quality black Angus cattle. So a lot of feeder cattle already on the list for 12.30 start time on Wednesday Thursday auction does start at 11, full marketing day on Thursday with market cattle and baby calves. So uh, that's how things are going to be looking here this week, and no big snowstorms in the forecast or nothing like that either, is there? No, we've got a little bit of rain this early part of the week today, tomorrow night, and Wednesday, and then after that it looks like it's going to settle down a bit. Okay, well, and again, folks, if you got cattle looking signed for our sales, let us know here, 687-4101. And I know he's taking the day off today, but the... The uh, big man is having his birthday today, so you girls make sure you brought the cake in and leave it for him for tomorrow. Of course. We slaved away all day yesterday making him this amazing cake. It's not us. We, Jill and I would never eat his birthday cake. I think it's more the other staff in the office we have to watch out for. <laughs> what does he like, chocolate or knowing Bob just about anything that's made Anything up. <laughs> homemade he likes. All right. Well, anyway, I hope he has a nice day. You ladies have a nice day, and we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to you folks tomorrow morning. Sounds good. Catch you later, Jer. Thank you much. There he goes, Jerry Fitzgerald at the Stratford Equity Barn. And Jill, speaking of birthdays, tomorrow you get to see Bob. What'd you get him for his birthday? Can you tell me? I'm not going to tell you. What do you mean? You'll have to wait and see. Oh, okay. It'll be good. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a rainfall report card that came in. From October. It came in a little late. I think it was from up in Colby, wasn't it? It was. Dennis Will from Colby told us that he gave us a summary for the year. But first, we're going to start out with October. They have 5.36 inches of rain and 2.5 inches of snow. 
which made the soil really wet there. And they had a dry September. And for April through October, they had 27.78 inches of rain and 19.72 inches of snow. You know, that's a lot of really a lot of snow when you think about it. In April. Because yes. we had that, that, you know, Eau Claire and Menominee and the western side, we, you guys only got a couple inches. We're down in my neck of the woods. We got just dumped on in April. Yeah, I had a foot, about a foot that morning, too. I yeah. Re- I remember the phone call, yeah. four to three. Jill, I can't make it. <laughs> no, there was no way. There, I went four miles, and it took me a half an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's when you know it's deep. Yes, and it was it was so heavy and oh. nasty. That was the tough. That was a tough snow. That was a tough snow. So yeah, and then I've got this interesting story I wanted to touch on. You know, LP prices and supply for residential and egg. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Those are looking good. But now the question is: Is why are diesel prices high? Well, I looked it up. Diesel prices are elevated this year for a couple of reasons. One is that there are still lingering impacts from the COVID nineteen shutdowns that limit our supply. Second is that the demand is high for fuel. And the third one is the Ukraine-Russia war has caused diesel prices to elevate in Europe, which is raising the need for U.S. fuel for export. Now, this all puts a pinch on diesel, therefore raising our prices. What I didn't know was because of the push for electric vehicles and high interest rates, that has brought a hesitancy to the industry to open new refineries. And actually, I talked to my son. My son now hauls uh, fuel and he mm-hmm. said there was an uh, a problem with the pipeline oh. in Minnesota, and it's something he said that I don't. I looked it up here on the computer and I couldn't find anything about it. But he said there was uh, an issue with the pipeline that went through Minnesota, and that's why another reason why the diesel prices stayed up so high. Interesting. Well, we're gonna have to definitely look into more of this. That's interesting stuff. Yep, well, we got to get moving along. We're going to be hearing from Dr. Dan Understander. He's coming in next, along with more markets and weather. For the most part, we put our alfalfa stands to bed for the winter. But uh, what about if we're going to seed next year? What kind of things should we look at as far as variety selection? Dan Understander is with us this morning once again on our Next Girl Alfalfa Update program. And, uh, Dan, what about... You know, Phytophthora root rot used to be a headline issue. That's kind of not been so much lately. We've got genetic improvements. What are we looking at as far as these catalogs this year and the things we should be maybe selecting for in our part of the country when we select these alfalfas to plant next year? Well, Bob, there are uh, five or six major diseases uh, that uh, we do have good resistance to and that farmers should pay attention to when purchasing seed. You know, the situation is sort of like a flu shot or something else. Um, You may or may not have the disease present, but some one or two or three of the five or six diseases are definitely going to be an issue in your field. The incidence of the diseases depends a little bit on the soil type and what's in the soil, but also the weather conditions adequate for them. We talk about the disease situation being sort of like us with a cold. We always have the virus, but we don't always have the disease unless we have the virus with the right conditions for it to grow. Do consider the uh, disease resistance of the varieties. Uh, You may end up paying uh, a little bit more for the seed, but it doesn't take much... uh, for instance, the anthracnose race two, that some of three that some of the newest varieties have, we've shown under some circumstances a 20 to 30 percent yield increase. Well, hey, at $200 a ton, it doesn't take much uh, to recover the cost of the seed for that uh, improved disease resistance. And we have uh, resistance to do races of aphanomyces that we should be paying attention to. The other thing that we should think about is that I really do recommend the use of coated seed. Uh, when you buy coated seed, you get uh, fungicide in the coating that helps uh, reduce the incidence of the disease during the seedling establishment. That amount in the coating is more fungicide that can be put on a bare seed. 
So we do see an advantage to coated seed in terms of having more fungicide, which along with the genetic disease resistance can help us. The other thing that farmers should really consider is the Harvextra trait, which is a low lignin trait. This clearly is beneficial. It does cost a bit more. But again, uh, considering the value of hay and the value of the milk that we're, uh, that the cows are producing, we'd like to feed this to. It does reduce the lignin. It increases the quality of the forage. It does give us a wider harvest window. And it does, in some cases, uh, let us work around rainy periods and still have quality forage. So for several reasons, I would suggest as you're looking at varieties, do buy the best you can get. It's uh, the disease resistance, the harv extra are things that can really help improve the performance of alfalfa in your fields. Like everything else, you get what you pay for, so get yourself good seed. Thanks, Dan. Dan Undersander, our state forage specialist on our next Grow Alfalfa Update program. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, let's take a look at our markets one last time this morning, shall we? Now, before actually, before we get to that, I do want to tell you this report. Last week, the Chicago Board of Trade, which is what we look at, and also the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, which is known as the CME, that's where the cheese and the butter and stuff that goes through, they reset their price limits for grain, oilseed, and lumber futures. So corn future price limit will now go from $0.45 cents a bushel down to $0.35. Cents. Oat future price limit will go from $0.25 cents up to $0.30 cents a bushel. Soybean futures price limit will go from a dollar five a bushel down to ninety five cents a bushel. Now the reasoning is this new methodology is more flexible, and basically the new variable price limit mechanism will allow those higher limits when prices are high, and get those lower limits when the prices are low. So that's maybe why you're seeing things different if you're looking at those numbers. And let's look at those numbers. On the Chicago Board of Trade, your December corn was up a penny at 478. December oats were up a penny at 373. Your March beans were up 11 cents to 1378. December soybean meal was down 40 cents a ton to 441.70 a ton. Your December wheat was down 4 cents at 568. Country elevators in the area. We've got Golden Plump in Arcadia at 446 for corn. Baldwin's at 434 for corn, 1273 for beans. Chippewa Falls is at 413 and 1277. Durand is at 434 and 1263. Mondovi's at 434 and 1268. Elmwood's at 439 for corn, 1273 for beans. Fall Creek is at 434, 1263. Osseo's at 449 and 1273. Loyal, 439, 1264. Elk Mound is at 424, 1278. Sparta's at 427 and 1260. Ellsworth is at 424 for corn. 1263 for beans. Ethanol plants in the area, Boyceville and Stanley, are both at 434. New Richmond's at 429. Switching over to that dairy side, your barrel cheese was down three and a quarter cent to $1.64 on Friday. Your blocks were down three and a half cent to $1.66 and a half. Double A grade butter down one and a quarter cent to 310 and three quarters. And your class three futures for November down six cents to 1733. December down eight at 1727. January down 9 cents to 1738. February down 12 cents to 1772. March down 7 cents to 1815. And then those markets were mostly downward trending in 2024. Again, that's a look at your morning markets. And Jill, you got any big plans for today? You going to finish up wrapping Bob's gift? Yes, I am. Oh, is it a big gift or little gift? Well, you'll have to wait and see. Oh, come on. You got to give me something. Oh, well, I like surprises and I think you do too. Does he like ducks, I wonder? I don't know. I mean, he might like that. <laughs> he might like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's always picking his dandelions in the summertime. Do ducks eat dandelions? Well, ducks eat just about anything. Perfect. He doesn't have to pick his dandelions. It's like an all-purpose thing. I have 18 ducks, so... <laughs> you could probably get rid of two. I mean, 16 is a much, you know... Yeah, much so much more manageable. Uh, I would think so. Well, you don't want to get too greedy and give them too much of an obligation. Right, right. <laughs> and they don't fly, so we can just kind of, well, just kind of pen them up in the backyard. Oh, my there. gosh. They could actually stay in his, like, back porch or something yeah. for the winter. Oh, and- this is going to be fun. I think we should just, like, take them there, even if we don't want to leave them there. <laughs> Just to see his face, like when he comes home and looks outside and goes, "What the heck are those?" <laughs> There's ducks in 
in my yard. <laughs> well, it would keep him on task. It will definitely keep him on task. But anyway, it's a beautiful morning out there. It is some rain out there, but it's still a beautiful morning. We got cloud at the sp- Clouds and rain today. Rain just this morning, though. High of 59. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Tomorrow, we're going to be mostly cloudy with a high of 46. Wednesday, 48 degrees. Right now, we're at 56 degrees. So get up, get at them, get outside, and enjoy your day. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. And the Chilson family of Ram dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.